Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. relationship 
with a distorted understanding of the marriage union, a distorted understanding of the will of God, the purpose of God for the union. How many of you all that's have joined me on this broadcast today when you got married, you you really shifted and began to uh, demand uh, certain things because you felt like you had certain rights. And I personally believe that the majority of people that's gotten married, Christians, I'm talking about believers, and when you got married, you felt a sense of ownership. Ownership. This is my husband. This is my wife. And I believe that is where the frustration comes in at. When we take ownership of something that don't belongs to us, it sets us up for a fall. The Bible said God is the God of all spirits and the God of all flesh. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. The earth is who? The Lord's. It belongs to him. And the fullness thereof, the scripture says. That means everything, everybody, the animals, belongs to him. But what make us have a sense of entitlement, what makes us have a sense of ownership in relationships? We put demands because it's mine. That's how we think. It's mine. So when I go back to and begin to examine myself uh, in this marriage union, uh, I know without a doubt that uh, my frustration has come. Once again, I believe that I poured more into the marriage than my wife. Then when I don't get compensated, I get frustrated. I've gotten frustrated. Now, what do that reveals? That reveals the frustration comes as a result of a distorted mentality. So your, your mentality was distorted? Had to be. If I'm looking at it from a biblical perspective, why? Because if I looked at it, and if you look at it, and if my wife looked at it, that both of us was a gift from God. Now, ask yourself this question. Do you really see your spouse as a gift from God? Once again, on Sunday we were sharing how God chose the disciples for Jesus. And even one of the disciples, I won't call him a devil, but he wasn't a devil, he was the man that betrayed Jesus who allowed the devil to enter into him. But God chose those 12 men. See, I think what happens with us, and I know this with me, we will enter into a relationship with a preconceived idea of how it's supposed to work. We already got in our mind how that person's supposed to act. We already got in our mind how to, what that person's supposed to do. And the Bible says, hope that is deferred maketh the heart sick. Oh, I know the Spirit of God is speaking, isn't he? How many of you that is married, your hope has been deferred and your heart has become sick? That ain't the problem. The problem, what do you do? What do you do? And the majority of people sin because they take matters into their own hands. I'm going to get compensated one way or the other. If you don't value me, 
I know there's hundreds that will value me. I'm going to get compensated. If you don't think I'm worth this, then I'm going to take what I think that I'm worth. Can you see the manipulation of Satan, ladies and gentlemen? Got us going. Because we have ceased to allow Jesus to be Lord, Master and King, and we have ceased to function in this relationship as unto the Lord and not unto man. Well, let's make it even more plain. To function in this relationship as unto the Lord and not our spouses. We have to function as parents unto the Lord and not unto our children. As a shepherd, a shepherd is to function, execute his office as unto the Lord and not the congregation. The congregation is to, that those that say God sent you to your church, you have to function in that house as unto the Lord and not your shepherd. What is God doing? What is he saying? Why would he do this? I'm going to tell you why. First of all, to get you and I to live in total, 100% dependent upon him. And to turn around and live in interdependence upon one another. But that's where the frustration comes. Because when you feel like you are the giver, in other words, it's the taker, you want to withdraw from and have nothing to do with. But yet God is the one that you believe connected you to the relationship. Not just marriage. That's your job. That's your church. That's your community. That's your parents, your siblings. Isn't it amazing? You had no choice in the parents that came together and brought you forth. You had no choice. You didn't have any choice of choosing your brothers and sisters, nephews, nieces, uncles, and aunts. You had no choice. God chose it for you. And God chose imperfect parents to bring you forth. Imperfect brothers and sisters. Don't you think the light bulb should come out the way and let us wait? Wait, something is wrong with this picture, or is it something? Or is there something wrong? Why would God give us imperfection, then put a demand upon us to be like Christ? who is perfect. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Here God give us imperfect relationships. Imperfect relationships. And put a demand upon you and I to be like the perfect one. <laughs> Christ Jesus. He's the only man that was ever perfect upon the face of the earth. Then God turns around and bring a man and a woman together in holy matrimony. This reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. Here is a man that is dysfunctional. Here is a woman that is dysfunctional. And... Uh, I have to apologize for the, these phones that's always uh, uh, seem like they come on when I'm uh, on this broadcast. So I apologize to you uh, concerning that. Uh, that's our fax machine uh, making, um, doing those calls. But anyway, here's a dysfunctional man and a dysfunctional woman. God said, the two shall become one. Do you understand oneness means perfection? 
Oneness means completion. Oneness means order. So a dysfunctional man and a dysfunctional woman becoming one. How do that how can that be? Only one way, ladies and gentlemen. Who joined Adam and Eve together in holy matrimony? So at this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother. This reason shall a man leave his father and his mother. It didn't say this reason shall a woman leave. This reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. Well, of course, Adam didn't have a natural daddy nor a natural father, uh, a natural father-mother. So God had to be his father and his mother. So God said, okay, I've trained you, I've educated you, I've taught you, you know my heart, my mind. You think like me, you speak like me. Now, son, it's time for you to take your relationship to another level. Now, I want you to think about it. How can you go to another level than God himself? How could he go, I mean, God taught him. No human being. God mentored Adam, and he said, this reason shall you leave me, your father, leave me, your mother. So God was Adam's father and mother. And if you, if we spiritual minded, we understand, we talk about feminine and masculine, not talking about female or male. God is not female nor male. He's feminine and masculine, because if God wasn't feminine nor masculine, there could not be a female or male today. The male is feminine, uh, is masculine. The female is feminine. The female is the, the, the feminine dimension of God, and the male is the masculine dimension of God. So don't think in the, in the terms of human beings. You ter- think in the terms of nature. So, Adam, you ought to leave me, your father, and leave me, your mother. And you ought to cleave to your wife, and the both of you all shall become one. Now, they could not become one if Adam never was one with his father. Adam, if Adam never was one with his mother. You to bring her into oneness like I brought you into oneness. Now, of course, at the time, Adam and Eve had not sinned when God gave this command. They had not sinned. So God had to test them for them to experience the oneness. God had to test them. And I personally believe the test really wasn't Eve. The test really was Adam. God was testing Adam. What are you going to do about bringing Eve into oneness? See, what Adam could have done, see, God will never override a person's will. When the serpent began to speak to, to Eve, tempting her to partake of the forbidden fruit, Adam should have spoke the heart of God, the mind of God, or spoke his heart or his mind, which was the mind and the heart of the Father. But Eve didn't have, then would have had to make the, make a decision. Excuse me. She had to make a decision. And if Adam spoke up and did not partook of the tree, I personally believe Adam would have been the redeemer. God would have positioned him just like Jesus to redeem if he was willing to repent and submit. Like you and I, we can't receive Christ unless we're willing to repent and submit. So, in the midst of error, Adam would have been the instrument of God for the salvation of his wife. Know why? And, 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 and sin could have been put a stop to immediately. How? Because 
the man didn't sin. It would have been the woman that sinned and not the man that sinned. The problem was came when the man sinned because man is the carrier of life. Women is the recipient of life. So the two shall become one, shall become one. And so when we begin to look at the principle of uh, betrayal and look at the principle of uh, entitlement, the manipulation, and I personally believe this here, it didn't really start with Adam and Eve. It started with Lucifer himself. Think about it. When you begin to read Isaiah 14, and I think it's uh, Ezekiel 22, when he talks about giving descriptions of Satan, and what he said, I shall ascend uh, to the mount of God, and I shall be like the most of God sitting on the throne of God, he felt entitled. Isn't it amazing how the devil lies to us and trick us and make us think and feel that we're we're nobodies or uh of somebody else is better uh um uh um somebody got something that you should have all of this stuff ladies and gentlemen is a re- revelation that we are not comfortable and we are not secure and thankful and grateful who God has made us we want a little bit more. We're covet. We covet other people's position. Lucifer coveted the throne. He wasn't satisfied with being an archangel. He wasn't satisfied for being one of the chief angels. He wasn't satisfied. He wanted more. The throne entitled. Something had to make him feel entitled. What do you think that was? That make you and I feel entitled. God, it's, it's a satanic nature. But think about it. What do you think that calls Satan to feel entitled to the throne? And that probably gives us some kind of some kind of glimpse what makes us feel that we are entitled. A woman will feel entitled to the to the position of her husband to usurp his authority, like Eve did. What caused her to do that? What calls her to feel entitled? What causes people in the church to feel entitled to a position of elevation? And when when the pastor chose somebody else and you wasn't choose, what make you feel entitled and then you go out and betray? Relationship. What makes us feel entitled? What made Lucifer feel entitled? Evidently, ladies and gentlemen, because he was created according to the word of God, it didn't say it like this, he was the most beautiful angel that God created. How the Bible talks about when he moved, he made music. The jewels that was embedded into his his, his uh, structure. Most likely, most likely, the other angel marveled over him. Most likely, the other angels praised him and told him how good he looked, how beautiful he was, how awesome he was, how powerful he was, because he was an archangel. Is it possible that right there is what began to cause Lucifer's downfall. Just like the Bible tells us in the book of uh, John, how can you believe? How can you even begin to believe? He who seeks glory, honor, and praise of one another, not glory that comes from God and God only. So is it possible that the praise that they was giving him that he should have offered up to God, he kept it. And the very praise that he received from the other angel blinded him and caused him to feel like he 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 was due, he was entitled to the throne. 
What makes you and I feel entitled? Is it our position? Let's look at the men. If I am a husband, my position as the head of this union, does that make me feel entitled since I am the authority of the union? Does that make me feel like I am entitled to respect? I am entitled to honor? Because God gave me this position. I didn't ask for the position. God gave me the position. Well, I marry into the position. So therefore, I am an authority over this marriage union. But am I entitled? Well, let's put it this way. Should my wife respect me? According to the word of God, she should. Should my wife honor me? According to the word of God, she should. But if my wife don't honor me, and if my wife don't respect me, should I allow myself to experience what Lucifer experienced because I have not received my due? The Bible said the man is to love the wife. He's to love her. So therefore, if I'm loving her, she's not honoring me. Do I feel cheated? Absolutely. This is how the enemy gets us. Do I feel cheated? Yes. Do you feel cheated? Or have you ever felt cheated in your union, your your relationship? Yes. You have felt cheated on your job. You have felt cheated in the church because you felt entitled. You felt entitled. Can you see the manipulation? It is so satanic and so demonic. Because think about it. Entitlement has everything to do with yourself. You see yourself as important. You see yourself as special. I'm entitled. And usually our entitlement comes based, usually, based on what we have done for somebody else. I have given, I have sacrificed, I'm entitled. Let me ask you this question. The Bible says that we'll save how? How are we saved? According to the book of Romans. Saved by faith through grace. Saved by faith through grace. Least any man should boast. So you're not saved by works, faith, grace, then we can boast. When you and I feel entitled, isn't that a form of works? And we can boast. I boast because what I did for you. I boast because I sacrificed for you. That means it wasn't done in faith. It was done in works and in debt. Debt. I'm looking for payback. I'm entitled to the paycheck at Friday, on Friday. That's how we feel. I'm entitled. Think about it. You go to work, you put your 40 hours in, or 30-some hours in, and then if they don't give you a paycheck, what are you going to say? If they don't give you a paycheck, what are you going to do? You're going to speak up. Why? Because you feel what? Entitled. You feel entitled to a paycheck. Then if your boss asks you a question, why you feel entitled? Then what are you going to tell him? Because I gave you 40 hours of my time, my life. I worked for you for 40 hours. I feel entitled. Don't we bring that same kind of mentality over to our marriages? Don't we bring that same mentality over to the church? I've been in this ministry for five years. 
and so-and-so just got here one year. They've been two years. And look as you have elevated them into a position of authority. It's not fair. It's not right. I'm entitled. You see how we bring that satanic mentality over to the church? We feel entitled. So we put the man. So if you don't elevate me, if you don't promote me, I'm going somewhere else. Isn't that why we get divorces? Isn't that why we get separations? Because we feel entitled. We feel like we have not been compensated. We feel like we've been abused and misused. And so, therefore, let me take my skills somewhere else. Let me take my talent somewhere else. Let me take who I am somewhere else. And let me give myself to someone else that's going to value me and appreciate me and love me and honor me and respect me. Let me give it to somebody else. Do you know what you actually just said? Let me find somebody that's going to worship me. Say like Satan. Let me find somebody that's going to worship me. Because I'm not being worshipped. I'm not being worshipped. I'm entitled. The only person in this world or the world to come that is entitled to be worshipped is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even the angels and the 24 elders in heaven right now, ladies and gentlemen, throw their crowns before the throne. The angels worshiping the Lamb of God 24-7. These angels have never sinned. You and I, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Isn't it amazing? But we want to be, especially us men, we want to be worshipped. Let me take it somewhere else. Why will God give you an imperfect wife? Why would God give you an imperfect husband? To perfect one another. To perfect one another. But you want to be perfected by praying. You want to be perfected by studying the Bible. You want to be perfected by uh, uh, leading the praise team. You want to be perfected by using your uh, uh, musical skills. You want to be perfected by being over the women's ministry, the men's ministry, the audiovisual ministry, whatever. You want, to, you want to be perfected not by the method that God has chosen for you. We feel obligated. We feel entitled. I was born in this church. Why they don't acknowledge my talents, my skill? Why they don't acknowledge my faithfulness? Don't they look at the books and see that I never mispaid tithes since I've been here? That's why God haven't elevated you because your motive is wrong. Your motive is I'm doing these things and I want to be compensated. I'm doing these things and I am entitled to be an officer in this church. I'm entitled to be in leadership capacity in this church. Because look at what I've done. Your heart is wrong. Your motive is wrong. You don't believe and trust that God is sovereign. You really don't, that God knows how to put you in the heart of somebody. You don't believe that God knows how to open up somebody's eyes and allow them to recognize you and to see you. You don't believe God. So you get frustrated with the arm of flesh because they're not acknowledging you. Don't we do the same thing in our marriage relationships? Do we really live as unto the Lord in our marriage relationship? Or do we get manipulated that somebody else will love me, appreciate me, and value me? And trust me, majority of times, you're not all of that what you think you are. 
you are not all of that what you think you are. Because when you and I feel entitled, that's a form of pride. Pride blinds. You can never see the true light of yourself. Humility always sees the true light of itself. You know, the true light of yourself when you're humble is you're undone. Whatever I'm experiencing, I'm, uh, I'm worthy of whatever I'm experiencing. I'm worthy to be persecuted. I'm worthy not to receive the respect. I'm worthy not to receive the love that uh, I believe that I should have received. Since God saw fit for me not to receive it, then I say yes. I say thank you. That should be the mentality. That's how humility would handle it. Humility never fights back. Humility never demands love. It never demands respect. It never demands absolutely nothing, humility. Humility just simply trusts the Father. Humility just trusts the Lord. Trust the Holy Spirit for the outcome of your everyday life. If anything appear to be negative is going to happen to me today, Lord, teach me the lesson behind it today. What were you trying to educate me in today? What were you trying to develop in me today through this situation? What dimension of you that you were trying to reveal to me that I have not seen before? Because you, humility believes and knows that God is sovereign and God is bigger and God is greater. And you, humility understands my life belongs to you. Humility says you can do with this life whatever you desire to do with this life. Humility never says, I'm tired. I'm tired of going through the same old thing every year. Over and over and over and over and over. If you and I don't make the adjustments and be reinstated to him, restored to him, not your spouse, your children, him, your earthly relationships could never be solid. It could never be sound. So you now, those of you that's joined me uh, 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 by way of chat, you're at your computer, on your jobs, many of you. Those of you that's joined us live, you may be on your lunch break. But isn't it amazing that God gave you a job? You doing everything that you believe that is right, but it's like you never can please your boss. You never can do enough. And you're frustrated and aggravated. You come, you you're on time. You leave later than the average person, but they promote somebody else, or they'll hire somebody to come in there for you to train them to be your boss. You say, "What in the world is this? This foolishness!" I've been here. I know the job, but why would you want me to train them to be my boss when I know it? God is in it because you feel entitled and God is trying to humble you that you would trust him and know and believe that he's working things out believe that he knows the best for you if you believe that I'm not ready thank you for not giving me the position that's humility or if you believe, Lord, if this was my position and the enemy stole it, you got something better for me. That's what humility says. And this is where the frustration comes in because you was banking on that raise. You was breaking on that increase. You was banking on that promotion because you know it's going to bring you more money. And you had already calculated out what you would do with the extra money. And it didn't come through. And now you're frustrated. What are you going to do? Are you going to betray your authority? 
how do you betray your authority in a situation like that? That you start going to all your peers on your job and talking about your boss. You now you go start assassinating the character of your authority on that job. And the Bible says all authorities be has been ordained by God. All authority. Civil authority, domestic authority, political authority, spiritual authority has been ordained by God. Now you go and assassinate. Now you go and betray your boss. You didn't get the position, and now your boss could have confided in you about some about that business, about that job, and now because you felt like you should have got the position because your boss confided in you. Your boss has shared their heart with you concerning the company, but they hired somebody else. You felt betrayed. You felt entitled. And now, since I felt entitled and I did not receive the compensation that I thought I should have received, now you start talking to your best friend on the job. What the bullshit with you in confidence, now you now is exposing it. What you don't realize and understand, it was God all the time testing you to see could he trust you. It had to do with your boss, God allowed it to happen, to expose your heart, to let you see that you really, really was not ready for this position. By the mere fact that you betrayed the confidence of your boss reveals you weren't ready for this position. Had nothing to do with him hiring somebody else. Had everything to show you. This is the love of God. Showing you, I'm protecting you. Because if I had allowed you to get this position, you would destroy it yourself and everybody else on this job because you weren't ready for it. All you have to do is take somebody to cross you, and you will betray. It all takes somebody just to cross you. Somebody not to do what you think should have been done, and then you have become a betrayal of relationship. I'm trying to show you. This is a defect in your character. You need to get rid of this. And the only way you can get rid of this is by you trusting me and taking this and having the right attitude towards everybody on the job. Having the right attitude, continue to have the right attitude towards your boss. That's how you die. And that's how you get set free. And that's how your heart is purged, because you cry out to the Lord, help me, help me, Holy Spirit, help me, Jesus, to love, help me, Jesus, to forgive, help me, Jesus, to be kind, help me, Jesus, to be cordial to this person that they just hired in the place that I believe I should have got. Help me to honor them, help me to respect them, help me to show them everything that I know because that's what my boss assigned me to do. Do you not know and understand if you did that with the right attitude, this mindset, in this position? Ladies and gentlemen, your boss can't stop you. Your peers can't stop you. Why? When you do the right thing in the midst of a situation that seemed to appear to be wrong, you just created your future. You just created your future position. You just created your future job. That's what you don't understand, which will be greater than where you're at at this present time or even where you're located. God can elevate you to your boss position because you made a decision that you wasn't entitled to absolutely nothing. You humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. You did what was required of you. Everything was asked of you. Don't you understand that don't go unnoticed by God? Man may not notice it, but it does not go unnoticed by God. We don't know how to relate properly, biblically. Just because Judas betrayed Jesus, 
Jesus did not betray Judas. Are you, are, you, are you getting this? If you betray somebody because they betrayed you, it's nothing but the betrayal only exposed betrayal in you. If you lie on somebody because they lied on you, the lie only exposed the lie in you. Are you, are you getting this? So it's only exposing you. But you're so caught up looking at them and God trying to show you you through them, but you can't even see you. And he's trying to show you wasn't ready for the relationship. You, were, you wasn't ready for the elevation. You was not ready for the promotion. You do what God has commissioned you to do. Regardless of what your boss do, your peers do, you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are a man and woman of integrity. You are a man and woman of character. You are a man and woman of excellence. And you are to live as unto him, the scripture says, Colossians, and not unto man. For sure your reward comes from the Lord. The scripture says your reward comes from the Lord. Who? The, the Lord. Not your boss, not the company. It comes from the Lord. God know how to cause people to recognize you. I'm going to say it again. God knows how to cause people to recognize you, to acknowledge you. I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen, when you cease to look for it, when you cease to live for it, then God knows they deserve it. They deserve it? Why do they deserve it? Because they're not looking for it. They don't live for it. They live for me. They live for the glory of God. And because they live for the glory of God, I'm allowing men to glorify them. Because when men begin to glorify them, it could never move them from me. It could never manipulate them from me. Because their motive, their life is bent towards me. They live for me. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can just only get this thing and understand this thing, it is so awesome, so dynamic, how God be trying to set us up for a blessing, set us up for elevation, set us up for promotion, set us up for increase. Increase only comes when we don't look for increase. Promotion comes when we're not looking for it. Elevation comes when we don't look for it. And, and, and use when you don't even want it. People that God raised up to leadership capacity usually is the ones that don't want it. People that hunger for it, most likely they're not the ones that God will ever raise up. They may be raised up, but it won't be by God. Because usually a person that is humble and don't want it, really understands the responsibility of it. But a person that's ambitious and hungry for it, they don't know the responsibility of it. They only see the glitter of it, the glory of it, but not the responsibility of it. So they'll take it, use it, and abuse it. They'll take it and use that position of authority for personal gain but never for the advancement of the agenda of God or the cause or the agenda of the people because we feel entitled. I feel like I deserve that position. I deserve that as a husband. I deserve that as a wife. I deserve this as a parent. How many, how many parents that has joined us today that have at least one child or two children, that may be challenging. They're not as submissive, obedient. And you say, so, I wasn't like this. God, why you gave me children like this? And I wasn't like this. You see the manipulation once again? You entitled, you feel entitled to have children that's going to obey every word that you say and they never challenge you. Because you never did it. 
Are you, but you don't understand that's still pride, self-righteousness. I'm entitled to have this kind of a marriage. I'm entitled to have these kinds of children. No, you're not. But why would God give it to you? Because he's perfecting something that is distorted in your character, my character. The Bible says in 1 John, I think 1 and, I think 1 and something, 17, I think, 17. It says, herein is the love of God made perfect, that you have boldness in the day of judgment. Herein, herein is the love of God made perfect. What is the greatest weapon in a Christian's life? Love. What could never change? Love. What would fade away? Everything. What would be sustained? Love. According to First Corinthians 13. Love. Not loving your wife, not loving your children, loving God. Out of your love for God, then you can love your wife and love your children. Out of that love. Herein is your love made perfect. Herein is your love made perfect. How do anything become perfected? By constantly working at it. Working on it, working at it, working on it, working at it, working on it, working at it, working on it, working at it. Anything. That's how it become perfected. So love is perfect all by itself because God is love. God is what? Love. But it's not perfected in you. It's perfected, but not in you. It's perfected, but not in me. So what he does, he put you and I in negative situation with assigned relationships to do the right thing. And that's how love becomes perfected. It's already perfect, but it's not perfect in me. So God gave all of us perfect love for perfect love to become perfect in us. Not outside of us, in us. How do love become perfect in me? By yielding to love, surrendering to love, Submitting to love and executing love. Love is an act of the will. And that is one of the reasons why love don't work. Because we believe love is governed by our emotions and feelings. And that is not biblical love. It's not governed by your emotions and feelings. You just make a choice. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, if you feel love, keep my commandments. He didn't say, when love is stirred up on the inside of you, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments, if you love me. So how many of us ever felt love for God gone? Let's be honest. Let's be real. There's that morning. I'd have woke up. I didn't feel no love for myself, no love for God, no love for my wife, no love for my children, no love for nobody. I don't want to be bothered with nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to pray to God. I don't want to read my Bible. There's morning I felt that way. Oh, and those are the mornings you really got to live by faith. You really got to exercise your faith, brother. You got to exercise your faith. You got to you got to praise Him like you feel Him. You got to worship Him like you feel Him. But you don't feel no God. You don't feel no nothing. It's by faith. It, it, do we have any uh, audience ever felt that way? You just heard somebody say, "I feel that way today." I heard you. Now, yeah, but it's by faith. So I mean, there's times I don't. I tell people. I don't feel like going to church. I'm the pastor. And one person told me, wow, I couldn't believe you felt like, feel like that. I live in a Adamic body or I have an Adamic nature just like you. 
just like you. But why do you do what you do? Because I will to love him. I will to obey him. I will to do what he tell me to do in spite of how I feel. I will to do. Don't feel like it. I will to do. One time my wife and I got in a confrontation, and I shared something with her. Uh, we got in a confrontation, and, and I took her out. I took her out. Spent some quality time with her. And 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 uh, in this particular situation, I felt like she, she, she did me wrong. But I told her, I said, why do you think I did that? See, 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 this thing had to become real to her. I said, why do you think that I took you out after you did what you did? I said, I didn't do that for you directly. Indirectly, I did. I said, I did that for me. See, you did it for you? Uh Uh-huh. To keep me free from unforgiveness, keep me free from bitterness, keep me free from anger. By doing the very opposite my flesh wanted to do. Nailing my flesh to the cross. Uh, Are you getting this? Because I could have said, well, I felt entitled. I wasn't compensated. You've got to be able to discern you. You've got to be able to discern this enemy that's trying to incarcerate you by withholding what you can give to somebody else to set them free. By withholding something that they need you have. So in the natural, my wife did not deserve it. But in the kingdom, it's operate totally different, ladies and gentlemen. In the kingdom, it's not about what she deserves or don't deserve. It does. It don't work that way. In the kingdom, what matters is what the Father says, what the Son says, what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. This is how love is perfected. When you forget about what has happened to you, you forget about what was done to you, this is how love is perfect. And you just do the right thing or the God thing. Don't say, I ain't going to say the right thing, the God thing. You just do the God thing. Forget about what you're experiencing. Forget about the pain. Forget about, let me move beyond me. What do you want to do, Holy Spirit? What do you want to do in this situation? My boss just hired somebody else for me to train them, and they're my boss. They don't even know everything I know. What do you want me to do? Spirit of God said, I want you to take them out to lunch. You want me to take the person I'm training, training to be my boss when I deserve to be be in this position? The Lord said, uh-huh. Why would the Lord have you to take your boss, the person you're training to be your boss, and you know more than them? Why would the Lord have do that for you? Have nothing to do with the boss. It's for you, for your love to be perfected, and to deliver and set you free from yourself, to deliver and set you free from your mentality of entitlement, that spirit of entitlement. Ladies and my time is up. We pray that the Lord has ministered to you during this this uh, noonday uh, and there is a relationship. We're going to get this thing. Oh, the Holy Spirit is going to help us, and we're going to live it, and we're going to make the devil mad because we're going to walk in the love of God. We're going to walk in forgiveness, and we're going to allow the love of God to be perfected on the inside of us. We're going to walk in kingdom order, no longer living for our spouse and our children, but living for him. And our spouse and children will be blessed as a result of our relationship with him. Amen. Don't forget the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, prayer line, 530 a.m. in the morning. 
You go to our website, ejmpcc.com, and you get all the information concerning joining us on the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the month. We have some powerful times in the Lord in prayer, intercession, and warfare. Come join us. Uh, more prayer power we have, the more the kingdom can be advanced. We love you guys. Appreciate you all. If you have a service at night, let your service be filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God. And let Jesus show himself strong, let the revelation of Christ be revealed, and that the people be receptive to what the Lord has to say through your leader tonight. We love you guys, appreciate you. Continue to pray for us. Once again, this has been your host, Dr. DJ McKinsey with the Master Key, and I will see you, be with you on Saturday at noon. God bless you. Mm-hmm.